welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and this is what the sound of a rataplan is. Oh. Does that sound like anything to you? Um, I don't know. Like, it's supposed to be like horse galloping. Okay, I was kind of <laughs> thinking maybe something with horses. Rataplan is rataplan. the sound of a galloping horse. All right. Apparently, I don't do a very good impression of it. Well, you're not a horse. I know, but I was trying to do like the... Uh, I can't do it. Maybe I should have practiced. Sorry, You guys. just need coconuts. That's what I... I duh, mm-hmm. that's what I needed. Yep. A little John Gleese exactly. action here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Courtney, it is uh, Labor Day weekend. It is Labor Day weekend. Were you taking advantage of your three-day weekend? Um, only to get work done. Work and schoolwork? Yeah, not really much fun. But, yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I've been um, off and on doing schoolwork this weekend. Not mm-hmm. trying to do too much at once because then you don't pay attention. And then if you're actually trying to... <clears throat> I mean, you know, some subjects you're just like, I'm taking the class because it's required and I'm not really interested and I don't care if I absorb it. Mm-hmm. But then some of them you like you do want to learn and so you have to take your breaks. Right, that's true. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour study session. study session isn't really very helpful most of the time. That's true. Yeah, I do have to break it up with like a half hour here or there of like doing something else or yeah, something. Same. So I did about two hours yesterday and then I'm going to do about two hours today and probably like two hours tomorrow and then I'll feel pretty good going into the week. All right. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was just telling Courtney that I just found out that my class, so on the West Coast in Oregon, I guess it's like a West Coast thing. Most college programs are in, like, trimesters or terms, like, kind of following, like, the school schedule for kids. You know, like, there's a fall, Mm -hmm. there's a winter, and there's a spring. And so that's what I thought I was going to be doing going into my program. But my program is out of North Dakota, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's semesters, so it's basically two. (laughs) Yeah, I think I see that difference a lot looking at, like, public universities versus private universities. Like, private universities tend to do semesters, and a lot of the public ones tend to do more quarter systems. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been told it's the West Coast thing that does the whatever, but I don't know. Because I've never, I mean, University of North Dakota is public. That's true. So That's true. I was just confused, because when I was like, oh, wow, the classes start weird times and stuff, but I didn't, I didn't know that there was even, like, a difference. I, that's how naive I was, but there is. So I just have this semester and then another semester mm-hmm. instead of the three that I thought I was going to have unless I decide to do summer which I haven't decided if I'm going to do summer or not right I might take a break I mean if you can you yeah should, I'm maybe. not in a hurry at this point yeah. to finish up so since I will be in started. school pretty continuously for the next three years yeah but that's okay that's what I signed up for right so anyways enough with that I suppose um oh I it's my question today it is that wasn't my question but no. um, I like what you were doing this weekend. <laughs> uh, no, my question is actually just because it is coming into fall. Do you have a favorite season? Um, I'm definitely uh, like a summer mm-hmm. girl. I like it when it's warm and sunny, and I like to be able to go outside all the time. And do you ever lizard a little? Like, like you're never too hot. You're one of those people. Um, I mean. You can get too hot when it's just too hot. Yeah. Like, you know, when we had those 100 degree days, like that was a bit much. But like, 
pretty solid through like the mid 80s. Like feels pretty good. But I, if it's like lower than say like 75, I'm cold. Mm. So. Yeah. So you, yeah, you don't get overheated easily. No. I'm like, I get overheated easily. I do love the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but 75 is perfect temperature. Mm. Um, I love the fall. Fall's my favorite. I mean, fall's pretty good. It does. And like, spring is pretty good. I mean, Winter yeah, sucks. They're, they're, they're all like, there's all like, you know, good things about mm-hmm. each of them, but I, I do think fall's my favorite. I like how it starts to get a little bit crispier outside, you know, the air, mm-hmm. but it's still like you could have an Indian summer, um, which you probably can't use that term anymore. I don't know, whatever. You can have a late summer <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that's fun. And then I love Halloween and going into the holidays mm. it's, it's cozy and I don't mind the rain which is good because it typically rains a lot here it does so to me it's like welcome so I don't know but that was that was my question Good question. but now we are going to go into part three of John Wayne Gacy yes we are so would you want to recap for us what ha- what we've learned so far sure so in parts one and two we learned that um John Gacy grew up as a frail and sickly little boy who was physically and likely sexually abused growing up had a hard time kind of like really fitting in and making friends when he was younger but by the time he got to his teens and 20s was all about joining every club and committee and everything that he could possibly and trying to run the show Mm -hmm. Um, but on top of this he also got married had a couple kids, and then couldn't keep it in his pants, and assaulted some teenage boys. Yep. And oh, go ahead. And they came forward about it, and so I believe we left off where he had just been sentenced to prison. Right, and um, just to show a little more of his deviousness, uh, remember he tried to get the one boy to beat up the other boy to not testify him against him, and then they both ended up <laughs> going against right. him. So it backfired. It did. Um, but yeah, so we just left off with Gacy pleading guilty to the charge of sodomy. The same day that he was sentenced uh, to 10 years, his wife Marilyn filed for divorce. John said the reason he would not see his daughter and son was because, quote, an asshole is someone who is trusting and gullible. I was made an asshole and a scapegoat of Iowa. And when I look back, I see myself more of a victim than a perpetrator. Again, John's like making excuses for things and he's claiming to be a victim. What do you think, Courtney? I mean, he was always a natural at taking any situation and finding a way to make himself the victim. And it ties right in with his narcissistic tendencies. You know, he just believes so deeply that he's better than others that he can absolutely do no wrong. You know, it's not possible that he didn't see his children because his wife was like, you're a pedophile and I'm not going to let you see my kids. Or maybe his kids just didn't want to see him. Right. I mean, I'm not sure how old they were, but yeah. They were very young, I think, but still. John had a new place to conquer, the Men's Reformatoria Animosa. He was prison inmate number 26525, and he was already on his way to being more important than the average prisoner. 
he wore different clothing that set him apart. He smoked cigars that were contraband, but he was allowed them. When he got out of orientation, the, quote, fresh fish, as John was known, made friends with nonviolent type offenders. He charmed them and told them how fragile he was. And just like in high school, his new buddies looked out for him. John's first or John first started in the kitchen and he moved to the to become the main cook. He would use this position to give powerful people the best meals, so like inmates and staff alike. And it worked. He got extra freedoms and non-commissary items in return for making a steak or something, you know, good for a big wig. John was seen all over the prison with the briefcase, making sure people knew he was busy and he was important. The prison had a small chapter of JCs, and John took charge. The number went from 50 members to 230 members in just over a couple of years, most likely thanks to John and his recruiting. He was able to organize an effort that worked that changed the prison inmates from getting paid 25 cents a day to 50 cents a day. So, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that was double wage. Right. Right. I would love it if I got double my wage. Yes. <laughs> he also worked hundreds of hours to create a miniature golf course at the facility. John got his high school diploma there and also did a few college courses. He was still trying to make himself something for his dad. But John's dad died on Christmas Day of cirrhosis while John was in prison and he was not allowed a furlough to go to the funeral. In May 1970, John Wayne Gacy won his freedom. He was paroled not two years into his 10-year sentence. 12 months of probation was all he had left. For fuck's sake, Courtney. Well, we know that back in the 70s, raping a woman was not seen as that big of a deal. So I guess that applied to young boys too. I don't know. Whoever was on that parole board probably felt pretty stupid when everything else came out a few years later. And what I'm learning in school is the... Well, actually... Never mind taking that back. I was going to talk about the appeals board, mm. the appellate board or whatever. Right. And that there's at least three judges on there. So there would be mm-hmm. three that would feel stupid. Yeah. Well, Although it's majority board. rule. Yeah. I don't think it's judges. I think it's like other people within the system. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it would still be more than one. Probably. It would be more than one. Yeah. yeah. I'll learn more about the parole board probably later on. Probably. But in the appeals court, <laughs> there's at least three and they uh, have just majority rule. Anyways, when John got out, he moved to Chicago and got a job as a cook at Bruno's Restaurant and Lounge. And on February 12, 1971, not even a year after he was paroled, John was arrested for the assault of a teenage boy who claimed that John picked him up from a Greyhound bus station. The case was dismissed because the young boy did not show up to testify. Ugh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. It happens so much. More than we realize, I think. This arrest was not noted in Iowa by the parole board, and he was fully paroled not long after. So he's totally free. It didn't take uh, long for John to go looking for male sex workers and to pay for their services. Now, something about John Wayne Gacy is he never admits to being homosexual, because in his line of thinking, that would mean he loved other men. He did not love other men. Truth be told, he may not have been able to love anyone, man or woman. He considered his same-sex encounters as a form of masturbation. Maybe he was bisexual, but no way was he homosexual. He would go on record many times that he thought it was wrong and those people were sick and did not deserve the time of day. They deserved whatever bad things may have happened to them. Courtney? So this seems like a good time to talk about internalized homophobia. So this describes the phenomenon when a person has homosexual thoughts and feelings 
but has been conditioned to believe that being gay is wrong, bad, or evil. And as a result, they see that part of themselves as bad or evil and grow to hate themselves for having those feelings. And I think this is what was happening with John. He admits to having had these thoughts and feelings from a pretty young age, from his teenage years, but was very quickly taught by his father that this was unacceptable. Throw in society also saying it's unacceptable and it's a pretty clear message. Um, And so oftentimes this internalized homophobia presents as more irrational anger and hatred towards anybody who is openly, or at least perceived to be, openly gay. And do you think that's because there's like this jealousy that they're okay with themselves and and he's not? I don't think it's jealousy so much as um, like he hates himself so much, but he can't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. he's going to hate other people instead. Like misery loves company kind of? Sort of. Okay. Yeah. So oftentimes, um, maybe not often, but... There's definitely, like, news stories and things about, say, like, people who commit hate crimes Mm -hmm. against the, you know, LGBTQ community. And then it, like, comes out later that they were having, like, a secret, like, gay affair Mm -hmm. or something. That is often the result of that internalized homophobia. Okay. John and his mom moved in with each other, and I think it was a condition for his early release to be with his mom. At this time, John also started his contracting business, PDM which stood for painting, decoration, and maintenance. John found a couple of people to help him out. Sometimes they ended up living with him, and sometimes they were intimate with him. Money was pretty tight during the beginning of his business, but he was determined to get it up and running. One of his workers in the beginning claimed that Gacy would go a little crazy sometimes and once even hit him on the head with a hammer. The next day, that kid, who he hit, moved out of Gacy's house. Um, Yeah. John married his second wife, Carol, around this time. She was a young divorcee with three children. I'm sorry, with children. And he charmed her. I'm not sure how many children. I can't remember. I think she had two. Two. He told her a little bit about the trouble he had gotten into, but did not go into details. And unbeknownst to Carol, John had already escalated from his violent beginnings. You know, he had, in fact, already committed murder. And it was one of many, many, many murders. So... We're going into the murders now. His first known murder occurred on January 3rd, 1972. His name was Timothy McCoy, and he was 16 years old. John picked him up from the Greyhound station while he was waiting for a bus to take him home to Nebraska. His bus was not going to leave for many hours. I'm talking about Timothy. And John's offer of sightseeing tour of Chicago was just too good to pass up. Now, John, of course, claims that he did not murder anyone. This was pure self-defense, and he was awoken to the young boy holding a knife in the doorway of John's bedroom because, yes, he took the boy home with him. John jumped up and scared the boy who raised his arms up as if to surrender, but when he did that, he nicked John's arm, cutting it. This caused John to go ape shit and bang the boy's head against the wall and kicked him. The boy kicked John back in the stomach, to which John grabbed him, flipped him over, and stabbed him over and over and over in the chest. Well, John would say the boy fell on the knife um, in some accounts. He goes back and forth a lot on this story. The boy wasn't yet dead, but John decided to wash the knife and then to make breakfast. He would later bury him beneath the house. And in a later interview, John would admit to having a, quote, mind-numbing orgasm as he listened to him gurgle and die. Quote, that's when I realized that death was the ultimate thrill. Per Wikipedia, 
Um, Gacy said he committed murder for the second time around January 1974. This victim's remains um, are still un unidentified. He was strangled and placed in Gacy's closet before burial. Gacy later stated that bodily fluids leaked from the victim's mouth and nose, staining the carpet. Gacy regularly stuffed rags. That was hard to say. Gacy stuffed rags, the victim's own underwear, or a sock into the mouth of subsequent victims to prevent such, such leakage going forward. This would become a trademark of Gacy's victims. Underwear, oftentimes, was found in their throats post-mortem. Now, John would say it was because of what he learned about the leakage working at the mortuary, but autopsies would show that many of the boys were alive when he shoved the clothing down their throats, torturing them, some even drowning in their own vomit because of the gag. Courtney? So we are seeing now that John's moving from internalizing his anger and rage to acting out his violent and sexual fantasies. Um, and now moving on to including murder in those fantasies. And in a way, um, it's kind of interesting, these first two murders, that it seemed like he was almost taking a passive role in the deaths of these first victims. Yes, he sets them in motion by stabbing and gagging, but then he just steps back and lets nature and time finish the job. He has maybe not gained confidence in his killer self just yet to like see it all the way through. Mm. It's interesting watching them progress mm -hmm. while watching them in the way that we can through research. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometime after this murder and haphazard burial, Carol complained of an odor. She also would see lots of little flying insects around the house. John would tell her he would take, her, would take care of it. A seepage problem of some sort, he said. He used big bags of lye to spread out in the crawl space to make the stink stop. John and Carol's sex life was dropping off you know, only about a year into the marriage. True, John was working long hours and took meetings at all hours of the night, and he wasn't home much, and when he was home, he was dead tired. Sometimes Carol would notice some odd goings-ons in the garage, and she was not allowed to be in the garage. Sometimes she sees young men out there with John, but, you know, maybe they're just some of his workers. He seemed to only hire boys in their teens to work for him. She found some male nude magazines and odd pieces of underwear in her bed, and one time, John came home all beat up. He told Carol that one of his workers beat him up because John owed him money. But later on, Carol would learn that John raped the boy, and the boy beat him up in retaliation. On Mother's Day in 1975, John in informed Carol that he would never again have sex with her. John continued to have his second life while his marriage with Carol was on the rocks. Some of the men he would kill, or some of the men he would kill, and some of them he would not. I say men, but most of the time they're boys. Typically, the way he would get young men under his control was along this line. He would lure them from wherever they were to his house, promises of alcohol, stag films, drugs, whatever. And once there, he would ply them with alcohol or whatever, and then he would perform his, quote, handcuff trick. Once cuffed, he could torture them however he wanted. So he would basically be like, hey, I've got this neat trick where um, I can show you how to get out of handcuffs. And then they would, like, fall for it. Sometimes he would bind them in other ways. Sometimes he would use chloroform beat them, rape them, and force them to flate him. Eventually, if he killed them, it usually would be with a rope and a knot he learned in scouts. Sometimes he would use an item to make a garrote. Eventually, he may shove a piece of underwear down their throats and watch them die. Sometimes the boys would scream. Neighbors could hear the screams, but oftentimes couldn't tell where they were coming from, so they really didn't do anything about it, thinking some other neighbor would call the police, except none did. 
Some of the teens he met that same night, he killed them. Others, like John Buck- Buckovich, he knew for quite a while, about a year. John worked for Gacy. Carol knew John and said he was a hard worker and a very nice boy. He would play with Carol's kids and spend hours at a time in the house. The two Johns fought occasionally about money owed or work being done or not. Sometimes they wrestled. Uh, Carol was gone for a few weeks in 1975, and when she came home, John told him that little John had quit and run away. But what really happened was a fight between the two over money owed little John by Gacy. Big John got him inside and did his handcuff trick and strangled him while sitting on his chest. After what he got, what he wanted from John's body, he stuffed it in the garage for later disposal. Carol came home before he could dispose of the body, so he dug a hole in the backyard under the foundation and buried him there. Carol saw him with a wheelbarrow but didn't question what he was doing. After he buried him, he poured concrete on top to finish up. Little John had a very special car that his parents found, and they knew that he would never have left the car. They knew he didn't run away. They filed a police report. They called Gacy, who said he would help look for them. The family would eventually call the police... um, Excuse me. The, the family would call the police every week for two years looking for updates until the police refused to take any more of their phone calls. Courtney? I'm always surprised for some reason when these killers do something reckless like killing people who are associated with them. I would think that John would have maybe learned his lesson after what happened in Iowa with the other boys, but perhaps because he somehow managed to kind of get out of that situation with relatively few long-term consequences, he maybe got sucked into that kind of narcissistic immunity fallacy. And as we will see later, this pattern does ultimately lead to his undoing. So John Gacy would be linked to many, many murders. And we're not going to go all of them, but suffice it to say he had a type. This type is a boy between five foot two and five foot nine. Slender build, muscular, less than 150 pounds. All were under 22, and most of them had light-colored hair. John would later realize that his victims resembled the young man who put him away for sodomy, Donald Verhees. Courtney, doesn't that remind you a little bit of Ted Bundy? It does a little bit. Serial killers do tend to have preferred victim types, and for some, these victims act as surrogates for the person they actually want to kill. Right For Ted... He really wanted to kill his ex-girlfriend, but had to settle for look-alike college students instead. And with John, he really wanted to kill Donald, and possibly the gay part of himself as well, but settled for young boys that he found at the bus station. Mm-hmm. John would later claim that something changed in him after the murder of little John. He was becoming a serial killer. It was also around that murder of little John that Carol and John divorced. It was in 1975 that John Wayne Gacy started to portray himself as Pogo the Clown. This may be the thing that most people affiliate with Gacy, the killer clown. His clown makeup was pretty scary to me, but I guess he could be a good clown when he wanted to be. He went to children's hospitals to cheer them up. Sometimes he worked parties, other times he was in parades. John admitted to loving being the center of attention, and who gets more attention than being a creepy-ass clown? John would claim that he enjoyed being Pogo. Most of the time. He claimed that he enjoyed making children happy was one of the things that he liked doing, but not all of them deserved to be happy. There were some kids that he thought were assholes, and he would be mean and scary to them. He'd call them names and say awful things in their ear. Even as a clown, he led a double life. Courtney, what do you think about his alter ego, Pogo? 
Well, John did have a thing for creepy clowns. He also had clown paintings displayed all over his house. Mm. Uh, But we do have to remember that back in the 70s, there was not as much widespread hatred and fear of clowns as there is today. Mm -hmm. So his being a clown for children's events and things would not necessarily be thought of as like a weird or bad thing back then. Um, I think we're all all now in a post-Stephen King It era, and so some of that's changed. Um, But that being said, John definitely used his clown costume to do some questionable things, including things like groping women. So there's that. I think I read somewhere that it was based on partially Pogo. Like... Oh, Stephen th- King's idea partially came from John Wayne Gacy for that movie, but I didn't have time to Google it. I mean, it's <laughs> very <now>. possible, right? <laughs> yeah. John was also at this time getting pretty involved with local politics. He was appointed as Democratic Precinct Captain for the 21st Precinct. He was making friends in high places. In fact, with his pogo credit and the Democratic backing, he even met and got a picture taken with the First Lady of the United States at the time, Rosalind Carter. Ooh. Fast forward a couple years, and Gacy has continued killing young boys. Unfortunately, not all of them would be identified or even known to be missing. Then he met and murdered John Zizik. S-Z-Y-C. Zizik? I don't know. Probably. I mean, it was on that documentary, but I don't recall. He convinced the boy to come to his house, offering to buy his car, a Plymouth satellite. He strangled the young man and then sold his car to one of his employees, Michael Rossi. After his divorce, John was drinking and using a lot more medications to function. He would take downers to help him sleep and uppers during the day, mixing all of it with scotch. Okay, Courtney, based on all we've gone over at this point, what do you think is going on mentally with John Wayne Gacy? So my interpretation of the behaviors that we've described point toward Gacy being what's called a malignant narcissist. So he's got an incredibly sensitive ego craves attention and admiration from others, believes he's superior and deserves special treatment, takes no responsibility for his actions and tries to make himself the victim, uses his charm to manipulate and harm others, and has irrational rage in response to things that would threaten his distorted image of himself. So, pretty cut and dry to me. Yeah. Um, Do you think that there's any... PTSD or anything like that from his childhood or do you think he's just gone beyond all other you know I mean now he's starting to use a lot of substances right I mean it's possible Um, there just haven't been any like thing descriptors of behaviors we would expect with PTSD yeah like he doesn't describe like or talk about having nightmares or intrusive thoughts or things like that it's more his trauma that turned to happen to him, he mm-hmm. has sort of turned it into part of his reason for killing. Right. And I mean, we'll see in the next episode, I believe we go over it, that there's a lot of times he claims he doesn't remember what he did. He was dissociating. I suppose mm-hmm. if that's true, that could be something, but it could be. Yeah. Well, um, this might be a little shorter episode today, unless you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up about, you know, I don't. Two two divorces so far. Yep. Several murders. Yep. Um, Being a clown who sometimes is an asshole. And a perv. And, yeah, and going into politics. Actually, like, 
kind of dominating at a prison, getting a bunch of shit done. Right. And I'm, you know, he's always thinking ahead. He's always busy. Right. Always trying to do what makes him look the best. Mm -hmm. And he's always the victim. Always. Things always happen to him, which one of the things that, and I'm sure we've gone over it before, that like helps you to spot a narcissist in your life is nothing is ever their fault. Right. Exactly. I did this bad behavior because you made me do it. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Or even in, like, the weirder way with Gacy, right, he, you know, had sexual intercourse with those young boys, but it's only a problem because they turned him in. Mm. He wouldn't, there wouldn't be any problem if they hadn't gone to the police about it. Yeah. Or, you know, if he was uh, exchanging for money or other favors and he didn't pay them and they Mm -hmm. got angry, right? then it was their fault. Because they're, they deserve what they got because they are actually homosexual, whereas he was not. Right. And they were trying to rip him off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, kind of a weird, um, one of the more delusional ways of thinking that I feel like we've covered, and it could just be the way that he presents, but the way that he sees himself and his situation and his sexuality and the world seems um, much more out of touch with what's really going on than a lot of the other ones who kind of accepted that they're just evil right yeah anyways okay well we'll finish up john wayne gacy next week yes we will so stay safe and we'll see you next tuesday Bye. bye